All right, and welcome back, everybody, to the Kanika Daily Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Kenny, and with me, as always, is my beautiful co-host, my lovely wife, Nika. Thank you, and good morning to all baseball fans. Good morning, baseball fans. Well, it was another action-packed Sunday, as always, all the teams playing. Uh, we have a lot of games that we got to recap. Um and then a little bit later on, we're going to be talking about some of the new matchups coming up this week that we're looking at. There's some good-looking matchups on the menu, uh, I'm not going to lie. And then uh, at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about some rumors and leaks kind of coming out surrounding Major League Baseball's uh, international schedule through 2026. Some interesting things to talk about there. But first, as always, we have our legendary baseball voice, Max Kane joining us, recapping all of yesterday's exciting action with another Monday edition of the Retro Rundown. Take it away, Max. Okay, and good morning and welcome to another Monday edition of the Retro Rundown. Legendary baseball voice Max Sugar Kane here with your update for May 8th, 2023. Could Boston make it nine in a row? No, the Fighting Phils fight back to salvage the series finale 6-1, ending a six-game losing streak of their own. Kyle Schwarber snapped out of an 0-for-21 streak in the fourth inning with an RBI single and then blasted a two-run homer in the sixth, his eighth on the season. After being down six runs to the Yankees and Garrett Cole, the Rays battled back at home to beat them 8-7 on a walk-off RBI single in the tenth by Isaac Paredes. Tampa Bay improves upon their best record in baseball, now 28-7 on the season. The Braves won a nail-biter at home against Baltimore in 12 innings by a final of 3-2. It was the youngster, Michael Harris II, coming up with the big hit, doubling in Ozzie Albies for the walk-off game winner. The Blue Jays completed a sweep of the Pirates in dominating fashion 10-1. Whit Merrifield homered and knocked in four for Toronto. Pittsburgh has now dropped seven straight after ending April as the National League's best team. The Rockies stomped the Mets 13-6, taking two of three in the Big Apple. Colorado exploded for seven in the fifth, started on a two-run homer off the bat of Chris Bryant, his fifth on the season. The Mets are now 17-18 and and seven games back of the Braves in the NL East. The Guardians won another tight game at home against the Twinkies 2-0. Jose Ramirez and Josh Bell both had RBI singles in the first inning, and that was all right-hander Cal Quantrill needed. He took a no-no into the seventh inning and improved to 2-2 two and two on the season. Cleveland is now two and a half back of Minnesota in the AL Central. St. Louis snapped their eight-game losing streak on Sunday against the Tigers, winning handily 12-6. Reigning NL MVP Paul Goldschmidt had himself a day with three homers, four RBIs, and four runs scored. It was the first tree-run home run game by a Cardinal at home since Albert Pujols did it back in 2006. The loss ended a five-game winning streak for Detroit. The Rangers clobbered the Angels at home for the second straight game, this time by a score of 16-8. Texas belted three home runs, four doubles, and had 17 total hits as a team, this after dishing out 15 the night before. The Halos fall to two games back of the Rangers in the AL West. The Nationals came from behind for the second straight day in the desert, and this time they held on to finish off the Diamondbacks 9-8. It was Joey Manessas with the big tree-run homer in the top of the ninth, his second on the season, 
Lourdes Gurriel Jr. homered twice in a losing effort for Arizona. The White Sox blasted the Reds 17-4 in Cincinnati, led by Hansner, Alberto, and Andrew Vaughn, who both netted four RBIs for Chicago in the win. The Reds homered four times in the loss, each one of the solo variety. The visiting Dodgers bested the Padres in 10 innings on the ESPN Sunday night game. Josh Hader blew his first save of the season, giving up a solo shot to Mookie Betts in the ninth. L.A. would go on to score a tree in the 10th, winning the first series between the NL West rivals 2-1. The Marlins bested the Cubbies 5-4 in 14 innings at Wrigley, led by a terrific pitching performance from ace Sandy Alcantara, who pitched into the 9th. Miami scored the winning run on a balk in the 14th. NL batting leader Luis Ares was 1-for-5, dropping his average to 420. Milwaukee snapped their six-game losing streak with a win at San Francisco, 7-3. Willie Adames hit a homer and added four RBIs for the Brew Crew, who looked to get healthy at home against L.A. after going 1-5 on their road trip. And the Royals salvaged the last game of their series at home against Oakland, 5-1. It was big Salvador Sally Perez getting it started for the Royals, launching a 462-foot bomb over the left center field fence the longest home run of his career. All right, that's all the games from yesterday, and I'm going to get out of here now. But I'll be back right here tomorrow with another edition of the Retro Rundown featuring all of today's games. All right, back to Kenny and Nika in the studio on the Kanika Daily Baseball Podcast. Thank you, Max. That was wonderful. That was a lot of games to remember and recap. Wow. Yeah, Max, we're really happy to have you. You take a lot of the pressure off of our shoulders having to recap all those games. Appreciate you, Max. Lots of high-scoring games. It felt like a football. Yeah, it was like the Sunday football special almost. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, White Sox had 17. Rockies. uh, Rockies Rockies. had 13. Uh, Rangers 16. Yep. Blue Jays 10. Yeah, Blue Jays got a a touchdown and a field goal. Yankees, I mean, 7 and 8, but still higher. I guess the other big story was Boston's winning streak coming to an end after eight in a row. Or you could say Phillies finally won the game. Yeah, that too, because they had lost. Yeah, they had been on a little bit of a a six-game losing streak. Yeah. So, yeah, tough. Someone was bound to lose one of their streaks. I think rivalry week, you know, lived up to its billing. A lot of close games, a lot of... Tense atmosphere. The Padres-Dodgers game last night had a very big crowd but it also had that like intensity i heard the beat la chant going on a lot that we heard in the postseason um which they did not sadly they took uh, one game out of three that's one out of three ain't bad but um they have 11 more to go so we got a lot of matchups left with the dodgers for sure but as we talked about the other day there are less head-to-head matchups so yeah we got to respond this week we got to play at minnesota who is uh the division leader in the al central and then we got to fly back and play at L.A. this weekend. I, I know that the last time the Padres went on the road, they went to Atlanta and the New York Mets. And I was like, ooh, that's going to be a tough road trip. And we wound up coming back four and three. I feel like we need to we need to win four out of six of these games to have a successful road trip. And I would really like to at least win two out of three in L.A. to give it back to them this weekend. That would be nice. The crowd will be rowdy. 
and loud mm -hmm. for the Dodgers. It's always tougher to win on the road. I'm ready for the Padres to go a little bit gangbusters. You know, you mentioned all these football scores being put up on the board and like... Not that game, though. We have a team that's supposed to be like sort of built for that and it's not happening a lot. Um, so I, I feel like sometimes, though, like going on the road can help that stuff when you play at home there's a lot of pressure to like perform in front of your fans and win in front of your fans and pressure. when you're struggling it can sort of work against you i think because you can start pressing too hard like oh i really want to hit a homer for these guys today and it's like if you go up to the plate trying to hit a home run you're most likely going to fail <laughs> um there's a few guys that can do it obviously i saw la has to play in milwaukee tonight you know if you think about they they had the late game last night not, not that it was horribly late. That game was over around 7 Pacific time. And you figure they probably don't get out of the stadium till maybe like 9.30, 10 at the earliest by the time all the media interviews are done, the locker room, everyone's showered, packed, you know, like whatever. It, it might have even been four. I, I don't know how long it takes. I'm not there. They probably traveled last night to Milwaukee because they want to get on sleep you know they, they, they're going there and losing two hours so by the time they fly from LA to Milwaukee let's say they leave at like 11 midnight at the earliest they got a three-hour flight that's like 3 a.m they're landing but now it's 5 a.m because they just jumped two time zones so tough maybe they left earlier I don't know <laughs> but it still is like they got to try and find some sleep on the plane, I think. They probably check into the hotel by 6, you know. They probably try to get a few hours, and they probably have, like, team check-in at, like, 3, 2 or 3 this afternoon. So it's probably, like, go sleep for 6 hours if you can't. Do you think the whole team travels together, or they find their own ride? No, they got to travel together by plane and stuff. And oh, they probably too. have <clears throat> team, like, uh, blocks of hotels just to make it cheaper. Okay. I mean, Brewers are coming home too. So the Brewers were the Giants. They did win the last game. So they True, but the um, my my a big difference here is that the Brewers played in the afternoon in San Francisco and they were their game was over by four o'clock. I see. Even with the time change, they probably landed in back in Milwaukee by midnight at the latest. Um, where the Dodgers have uh where the Dodgers got there at like six AM. Yeah. You know, like it's like, oh like they, they at least yeah, they got home late, but they can like at least wake up at eight in the morning today, be at home. You know, they slept in their own beds. They can like spend some morning with their families or whomever. It, mm -hmm. it's it's helpful. It, yeah. Versus like LA. That's a short turnaround. That's a tough one for them. So maybe brewers can help the Padres. Maybe. Go brew crew. Go cheeseheads. Go cheeseheads. Uh, so but that series was the, was really fun to watch yeah. this weekend. I, I really feel like as as much as the Padres have maybe not played up to expectations so far this season, that they are going to be a playoff team in the end. Um, I hope at least they have a lot going for themselves when it comes to the talent on the roster, and that's a big part of it. you got to play up to expectations. Well, there's a lot of expectation this week for the coming up matchups. They're not as a rivalry matchups as we had the, for the weekend, but they are very intriguing matchups. Absolutely. Starting tonight, in fact, we have three series getting underway that I'm going to be watching closely. Starting with Tampa Bay uh, is going to be visiting Baltimore. And a lot of my interest in this series is a very similar to why I wanted to watch Pittsburgh at Tampa Bay last week. I want to see... If Baltimore is for real a little bit in the AL East, you know, um, 
we we obviously saw their run last year. They almost snuck into the playoffs. Uh, I do feel they are for real. They are at home here. I, I want to see them win two out of three against Tampa Bay, even though Tampa Bay is tough. That's a tough order. I know, but they, I want to see it. You know, I want to see the the Orioles for real. Last year, the Rays won 10 out of 19 games with the Orioles. So this year, both teams have improved so much that it will be a very interesting matchup. Well, Baltimore lost two straight coming into the game, so they definitely want to look to getting a little bit healthier at home. Uh, Tampa Bay obviously had their dramatic series with the Yankees this past weekend. Um, Dramatic. Well, they won in 10 yesterday, I guess, and like they won two out of three games to kind of keep the Yankees in the cellar of the uh, AL East. They didn't make up any ground on them. They're still 10 games back. But Baltimore, despite everything, is five and a half games back. If they can win two out of three, they're going to gain a game on Tampa Bay. It's way early in the season to be talking about all of this, but it's still fun to watch. It's still fun to talk about it because it changes daily, and it's fun to see you know how much the teams move or fall off the wagon like the Pirates did. Oh, man, poor Pirates. They've now lost uh, seven straight games since April, and they ended April with the best record in the National League, and then they went on to play at Tampa Bay and play the Blue Jays at home, and they haven't won a game since, so... They are still over 500, so they are still leading the Central. Yeah, they are. That shows how hot of a start they really got off to, you know? Yeah. They were 20-8, and eight, and now they're 20-15, and 15, and they are still the best team in the Central because Milwaukee lost six in a row before winning yesterday. So, And the Cubs have been kind of playing 500 ball, you know? Yeah, the Cubs have been competitive, actually. That's... They've been competitive. You know, they, they have outscored their opponents – if you look at their standings, their runs scored versus their runs against are like only second to Atlanta in the National League. So, yeah. you know, it does speak to the fact that they do score runs. So we'll see how that season progresses. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a shock if the Cubbies make the playoffs. You know, they have a farm system that is ready to contribute to this team and step in. They have players that are ready to like step up and possibly, you know, fill in some some weak holes on their team. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how the season shapes out. And that's one thing about the Cubs. If they do have like someone go down with an injury, they'll have someone right there waiting in the wings to come in and take their place. So they have a good farm system, basically. And they do have a lot of good farm system from all those like Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, and Chris Bryant trades they made. Okay. They they kind of net profited off of them. Let's not forget Cody Bellinger. He's playing really well at the Cubs right now. He found himself. Better. Yeah, but that was like a free agent signing. So sure. like, I, I feel like the Cubs brought in this weird mash of talent. They're almost like a whole new looking team in a lot of ways. Like there's some familiar faces like Patrick Wisdom um, and... There's Kyle Hendricks even waiting. He's getting ready to come back, actually. Um, yeah. But they have a lot of new faces, too, like Dansby Swanson and Cody Bellinger and well, they, Nico, uh, Nico Trey Mancini. Yeah, Nico Horner's familiar. Yeah. So yeah. they just blended this weird group of guys into this team, and I like it. Um, yeah. They're fun to watch. Even at 17 and 17, they've been really fun to watch. They played 14 innings yesterday. It was a long, long game. Back yeah. and forth, back and forth. Well, they get the off day today, and they need it. Um, yeah. They're going to be starting a series at home on Tuesday, though, against the Redbirds, um, who we talked about quite a bit yesterday. And 
Wilson's going to get that standing ovation and everything's just going to be like feel weird with the state that he's been put in. I'm, I'm excited to see the reaction and the ovation that he gets when he comes up to bat. You know, I think Wilson's a, an emotional guy sometimes. You know, he, he got emotional when he talked about getting traded last year, yeah. which wound up not happening. And yeah. I wonder how much that interview played a part. It's a rivalry matchup, in a sense, Cubs and Cardinals. A lot of times, Cardinals were dominating the Cubs. Here they come in as kind of the, the team dog. that's beaten up and bruised a little bit. And the Cubs are the ones that are sort of overperforming expectations. I respect the Cardinals organization. I'm really not wanting them to get healthy right now against the Cubs. I'd love the Cubs to just beat them <laughs> right now. St. Louis Go enjoy the cellar for a season, you know, like play like crap. I, I feel like they deserve it for they, they don't deserve to get bailed out like no. somehow by the baseball gods this season. I, I just don't want it. <laughs> OK, that's fair enough. They certainly haven't shown any signs of getting better. They might have won one game, but they're well, still disorganized. Part of it has to do with this, how pretentious the big wigs and the MLB guys are sometimes about Arenado and Goldschmidt. Uh, if you look at the makeup of their team, there's no way they should be this bad, you know, which is like the only thing that you got to give you hope if you're a Cardinals fan, right? Like, yeah. That you know that this team is much better than they are playing on paper. And like, I think their fans are frustrated with that team as well, because like you say, on paper, they look good. Right. And if you look at their record and their stats a little bit more closely, there are teams that have been playing much worse than them that maybe even have a slightly better record. You know, like Miami comes to mind. Miami has only scored 116 runs. They've given up 172 runs. The Cardinals, meanwhile, have scored 156 runs. They've scored 40 more runs as a team than the Marlins have. And they've given up roughly the same amount of runs. And yet they have a much worse record than the Marlins. It's little weird things like that, that like if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm hanging on to those kinds of things right now and saying like, well, we're just unlucky. We're playing the wrong team at the wrong time. I don't know. You know, like you gotta, you gotta hold on to these things. Like stats, trends tend to work themselves out over time. Right. Sure. Um, nevertheless, like I said, I don't want them to get healthy against the Cubs right now. Like go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go. All right. <laughs> so that's one matchup that's coming up today. And the other one I wanted to kind of highlight <clears throat> tomorrow is the Boston-Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Boston is visiting Atlanta. Now, Boston is coming off of their eight-game winning streak. They are uh, hot. They finally lost yesterday uh, in Philadelphia. So now they go to Atlanta. And Atlanta is also seven in their last... 10 I'm sorry seven and three in their last 10 so no slouch by any means and so we have two good teams going up against each other here and I'm just kind of curious if the Red Sox can stay hot because I think the Red Sox are playing a little bit out of their depth right now out of their mind but I watched you know if, if you're going to be a major league team and you're going to hit the ball to all fields consistently and they're being coached and and they're taking their coaching right now, then they might be tougher than people expect. You know, they do have bats. They do. Their winning streak was, oh. what, six, seven games? Like, yeah. Before they lost? Eight. Eight. As we discussed yesterday, too, a big reason for that, they they believe, is for their hitting approach. Yeah. You know, that they've been willing to go the opposite field. They've been willing to take the opposite field single instead of trying to hit the, you know, 
pull a homer the into magical, the bleachers, you know, like in the, in the magical sweet spot that they yeah. just think the pitcher's going to give it to him on a, on a silver plate. Doesn't work that way. So, yep, playing very reactionary baseball, as I call it, where they're just reacting as to what's coming to them versus like going up there and guessing. And I, I see too many young hitters guessing. I, I don't know if it comes with maturity. I think when hitters first come up into the league, you know, like pitchers don't know what to do with them yet. So they just throw them strikes, right? Like you got to see where they react to and, and how they handle certain things. Like, okay. I know you have certain trends on people and whatnot, but not every team has every minor league at bat of a player at their disposal on the day that they get called up. Right. All that information exists, but it's just like it's spread out and it's tough to collate together sometimes. Well, you see that all the time when the new player comes up. He is really either hitting right away from the pitcher that he isn't familiar with or he has issues. Well, these guys get promoted so quickly. Yeah. You know, if they show success in a league, they don't stay there. They play like 20, 25 games and get promoted. And then as they get to double a they might stay for 100 games or so a season yeah it gets longer and longer tenure until you get to the big league roster hopefully that's why we get those 29 30 years years old rookies sometimes <laughs> and they do come up and they matured already yeah it's interesting you know we talked about how well the the padres have a catcher sullivan. named brett sullivan mm -hmm. and he isn't like hitting lights out or anything I saw him hitting an opposite field hit the other day. Um, so you just see like some, maybe they have a little bit more maturity where like. 22 year old will not. Even even a 24 year old like Juan Soto right now who's, who's struggling doesn't have that discipline yet to just have this mindset like I got to take what they're giving me. I got to take what they're giving me. It's frustrating. It, it can be one of the hardest things to accept, you know, is to be like, you know, I need this pitch in this certain location in order to do what I do with it. Like, you, you got to break away from that mindset and start to really just play reactionary and be like, I'm going to take what these pitchers are giving me. And when I start to do that is when I'm going to get the pitches that I really want to hit for home runs. But I got to divorce myself from looking for it. I can't go up there looking for it. Otherwise, I lost already. And that's why I feel like they're losing. Well, you saw Manny Machado trying to hit the opposite field first, yesterday. First at bat. He had yeah. a great night yesterday. And, like, first at bat, first pitch, he punched the ball literally on a line. Like, he hit a line drive bullet kind of through the second base hole. And we talked about this. There's more holes out there because mm -hmm. of the shift being the way it is. They shifted the second baseman to be as close to the – playing behind second base as they could and it and it left this huge hole between the first baseman and the second baseman with Manny up there and and he just said you know what boom yeah first pitch was a fastball on the outside part of the plate and he just drove it into right field it was almost a ground ball it was it was a liner slash ground ball it wasn't a high line drive but the ball bounced all the way to the fence he hit it so hard and and you know Fernando had gotten on second he scored easily and it was like bang bang we're up one nothing it was great but I think Padres played really well ball and the Dodgers did too it was a really intense game oh um, I couldn't watch the end of it because it was too intense <laughs> yeah we had a uh, we both had to uh, escape to the shower I guess for a second and uh, get ready for bed because uh, we just couldn't watch some of the pitching and intensity uh, uh, still ended with heartbreak city um, 
still but that's it. okay it's it's great rivalry that's developed between the two towns um the padres probably rightfully so are getting a lot of shit on on social media for uh posting this sort of crying meme of kershaw after they won friday night and a lot of people think that they kind of should not have done that as far as far as sportsmanship goes yeah and again i want to see this padres team have fun i do i really do but i do think sometimes they're a little bit immature with how they handle their business and i think they will have more fun if they start to treat the game like business a little bit more. They should look into Rays. Yeah. How they treat ask, it. Ask the Rays right now if they're having fun or not. They are having fun. Of course they are. And they have an 800 winning percentage. Exactly. But they're all business too. Yeah. They don't, you know, they don't they're not them. making memes on yeah. their phone of their Yankee rivals. Like, I don't think they have Garrett Cole's face crying coming up on the screen when he got pulled yesterday after he gave up five runs, you know. Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. so. So maybe take some notes, Padres, about what other teams are doing around the league and do better. It's not to say that we don't want you to have fun. Like the sombrero is great. The Polaroids are great. All right. As far as Braves and Boston go, I'm I'm just watching casually to enjoy it. I, I kind of want to see if the Red Sox are for real, you know, and I think it's a good test for them because Atlanta's got good pitching. Um, they're also playing good baseball. Obviously, they're the best team in the NL. So it should be a competitive series on paper. I want to see, though, if the Red Sox are for real or if they're going to pull a Pirates and go into the Lions' den and kind of get trounced all over the field. But it's only two games. so I think they got to split. You know, I think they got to win one. Yeah, for sure. Okay, sounds like there's a lot of intense matches coming up. Absolutely. And then just... uh. To give a little bit of a sneak preview, probably for later on in the week, the next weekend, it doesn't get any lighter with intensity because San Diego is playing at L.A. Tampa Bay is playing at New York, Yankees, and Pittsburgh is going to be playing at Baltimore. I think is just going to be some fun games to keep watching, keeping an eye on. Wow, more nail biters. Yeah, go get your teeth sharpened, everybody. <laughs> However you do that. All right. Well, one final note from the Los Angeles Padres series is that some rumors and leaks, I guess, started kind of coming out, um, but it's being reported on ESPN and CBS Sports and some other, I guess, establishment news organizations that the Padres and Dodgers are going to be opening the 2024 baseball season on the road in South Korea. Um, New country added to the expansion that MLB is promoting. Yeah. So there's this little chart that I'm looking at that's in the CBS Sports article about this. And it kind of outlines the plan, the international plan for 2023 through 2026. So if you're not familiar, the Cubs and Cardinals are going to be playing in London next month for a I believe a two game series two game series yes all the international games are two games because they want the teams to have a day to sleep and adjust to the time schedule sure but um anyways there's there's a lot of international games going on outside of the U.S. that you might not know about <laughs> so I kind of wanted to quickly recap this here but um like I said next month we got Cubs at and Cardinals playing in London and then in 2024, 
there is a Puerto Rico Dominican Republic spring training initiative. So I'm guessing that this is going to involve uh, more teams from the Florida area, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. Um, but there's going to be some spring training games played in the Puerto Rico and in the Dominican Republic. It makes sense that the Florida spring training gets to partake in that. Because well, especially Puerto Rico is so close, yeah. right? Like, it's got to be. Um, it makes sense. But then opening weekend is listed as just Asia right now. And it's presumed that this is going to be the South Korea uh, weekend opener mm-hmm. between the Dodgers and the Padres. Okay. Kind of cool. Like, uh, presumably, Haseon Kim will be playing in his home country for the Padres. Kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but also very cool to have, like, I think the Latin players exposed to the Asian community because I, I, I feel like everyone looks up to the American, you know, game as this benchmark because everyone's trying to get to the MLB and get to the pros. Um, but, you know, those those two sort of cultures don't often necessarily, like, brush elbows with each other, if you will, when it comes to, like, baseball. You don't necessarily have the especially the Dominican and like the Puerto Rico and, and those Latin country players playing in Asia a lot. Do you know what I mean? So oh, I think I it's fun for them to like visit. And we, we talked about how animated and fun the Mexico series was and like how the players were sort of taking to that culture. And that's one thing I love about the Padres. When you look up and down their rosters, they do have this sort of, you know, all encompassing player roster. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about you, Darvish, and Hassan Kim. They'll be able to share their Asian culture a little bit with their teammates. Whereas, like, when they went to Mexico, it was like sort of a lot of the Spanish players were sort of getting into the vibes of it and the colors. And so it's really cool to see baseball doing this. I think they make a great choice with the Padres because of their international representation, but I'm also biased. So I'm not going to disagree about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like looking ahead, then we have another Mexico City series on the schedule next year in May, and another London series next year on the schedule in June, um, and then 2025 it gets a little bit more interesting. Um, there is no spring training scheduled for 2025 as of now, but there is an opening weekend in Tokyo scheduled. I'm guessing that whoever Shohei is playing for is going to be playing in that game. But that's going to be tough to predict because he's a free agent right now and they might not be able to... Hold on to him. Yeah, so kind of crazy to think about. Definitely something I want to watch, see what happens with that. They do have some time because it's 2025. For sure. Um, But then Mexico City again in May of 2025. And... And then Paris in June. That's a new addition as that, well. That'll be different than London. So Paris is swapping with London in June. And then San Juan, Puerto Rico, is being added in September of 2025. I love this effort by MLB to sort of spread the world, the game globally. And in 2026, then we have the World Baseball Classic again. Uh, I like it. I hope there's more teams or more countries that come up with their own teams for World Classic. I know it's going to be a tough one because there's only one MLB. <laughs> yeah, there's strict rules for qualifying, unfortunately. But I like to see, well, I just want to see good baseball. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get some new faces in there, some familiar faces in there, and it'll be great. But um, yeah, already less than three years away, the next WBC. 
And whether you like it or not, MLB is spreading this game globally. Um, and they, it is part of their mission. I believe that the next World Baseball Classic will invoke the new rules, the pitch clock. That'll have a tremendous impact going forward. So it's exciting. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I enjoyed the previous one and I'm looking forward to the new one for sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Kanika Daily Baseball Podcast. But we hope we've given you some of the matchups to look forward to this week and helped break down your baseball weekend. Yeah, something to look forward to for a few years, I guess. And then, yeah, there's obviously the... We went really far to the future here with the uh, international games at the end. But, hey, that's why we're here. We got a lot to cover over the next three years. And no we're going to be here nearly each and every day of the season doing it. So, having said that, we'll be right back tomorrow with another episode of the Kanika Daily Baseball Podcast. This is Kenny signing off. And Nika. Bye. Adios.